Hi everyone, and a very warm welcome to the Learning Journeys podcast from Lacuna Learning. This is Thinking Out Loud, episode four. In these episodes, I share a short reflection of something that is going on for me right now, or maybe something that's been sparked for me from one of our podcast guests. They are Thinking Out Loud episodes, as they are ideas that are not totally fully formed yet, that I'm kind of working through. That means I'm going to go on tangents. So I would love it if people can get in touch between episodes to share their own reflections and perhaps to help me to put some thoughts together. Before I jump into this Thinking Out Loud episode, I want to just thank everyone for listening, subscribing and buying me a coffee, etc. It is massively appreciated and I'm always surprised and humbled by the response we've had. Quick shout out to our listeners from across the world, in particular our new listeners from Portugal and Belgium. I'm obviously very much at the mercy of podcast analytics, so if I missed anybody out, then please give me a shout as it'd be great to get to know you all. If there are people who you'd love to hear on the podcast, who I might not have heard of or who are from your own country, then please feel free to get in touch and suggest them. I hope you're all keeping really well, and after the events of the last few weeks, I've decided that in today's Thinking Out Loud, I want to think about using the outdoors as learning environments. I'm going to share a few points before I dive in just to help you navigate your way through this. Um, The first thing I want to talk about is the power of outdoor learning environments and a bit of a story around that. The second is about redefining the concept of a classroom. And the third and final bit is about reimagining traditional learning for the outdoor classroom, i.e. how do we deliver stuff that is traditionally delivered indoors in an outdoor setting. Before I jump in, I am really grateful to Kurt Lindley from Be More Consulting and the creator of the Learning Scientist magazine. It's kind of a journal slash, um, slash magazine. I'll leave the uh, information in the description. That was a catalyst for me to put some of um, my ideas into action a few years ago. And he also gave me the opportunity to publish an article in his magazine on this area earlier on this year, some of which has inspired my thoughts here today. Okay, first one, the power of outdoor learning. I, of course, recognise that in the last few weeks, we very sadly lost His Royal Highness Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. He was a wonderful ambassador for getting people, particularly young people, outdoors. I am hugely grateful for that opportunity to take part in the Duke of Edinburgh scheme, which, uh, along with the Scouts, um, which was a big part of my upbringing, was a huge part of igniting my passion for walking and climbing and paddling and mountain biking and all these amazing things that I got out to do. And people, I think, are doing a lot more of these days, actually, which is great to see. I had the absolute pleasure to meet him um, when I earned my, my gold award a few years ago, oh, quite a few years ago now, now that I think about it, more years than I want to admit, I think. I vividly remember him uh, walking into the room and only asking everybody one question, which was where had they gone on their expeditions, as this was the bit he was most interested in. He also had, of course, absolutely no interest in following any kind of protocol. That was what he was going to do. Everyone told him where they'd been, and they'd all been somewhere in England, places that were were kind of hard, but not too wild or remote, and I hadn't yet had a chance to speak. And he asked me where I'd been, and I said I'd been to Mull. And with a mischievous smile on his face, he said, ah, a proper expedition location, before then asking me if it had rained a lot and if there had been plenty of midges. Uh, He smiled when I told him that there had obviously been plenty of both. I sense that it was this idea of endeavour and challenging young people to push themselves, to set big goals and to work hard for them, including the hardships that are associated with them. That expedition was an experience that I will never ever forget. It was four days and three nights, as as it always is. Only on one day did we not have rain, 
There was lots of slogging around Mill. It was great fun, but it was tough. What did I learn from it? I learned a lot about getting the best out of myself and getting the best out of others. Building what in the psychology literature we term frustration tolerance, i.e. learning to tolerate being hacked off with yourself, the environment and others for days and days on end. On the train back from Oban, we all smelt so bad we evacuated an entire carriage of the train and I had the beginnings of trench foot when I eventually got home. It stood me in very good stead for future training as an athlete, but much, much more than that. It created a space for me to learn about myself, others, and of course, our environment. Super important. In coaching, we often talk about three big pillars, knowing yourself, knowing others, and knowing coaching. I just cannot think of a better way to learn about the first two than getting outdoors. I am hugely grateful to the Duke for championing this and would encourage you all to get outdoors and also to support our outdoor centres as well. There is something very, I don't know what it is, very primal, very levelling about the outdoors that when we take people out there, the fluff goes, you can't keep a facade up for days and days on end. We find out who you are really. And to me, that's just so, so powerful. So that's the first part. The second part, redefining classrooms. I've always loved learning, but hated classrooms. It took me a very, very long time to learn how to learn. And I'm almost certain drove many of my teachers to complete distraction with my ability to show potential, but just struggled to focus in a traditional learning environment. It was reliving this reflection a few years ago. And then again, during the first lockdown, when I wondered what, it, what if we could create powerful learning environments outdoors? Looking back, um, I recognised that like those Duke of Edinburgh's expeditions, some of my most powerful learning experiences growing up had happened in less traditional learning environments. Not all classrooms have four walls. What if we could find a way of creating powerful learning experiences outdoors that enable us to move from what can often be quite transactional to much more transformational experiences? Given how much screen time most of us have had over the last 12 months, I strongly believe that outdoor classrooms are A, a much safer aspiration given from a kind of from a COVID point of view, and incredible for people's mental health and physical health given the last year. If we could achieve those two outcomes and help people to engage in important learning experiences, that would be an amazing and just incredible outcome. It'd be even more incredible if this kind of learning could become the norm in a few years' time. Maybe we'll redo this in a few years' time and we'll be like, yeah, no big deal anymore. But I think even just now, it's probably still a bit of a stretch for some people. Which leads me really nicely into that last final point. Reimagining, I guess, traditional learning, inverted commas, for the outdoor classroom. I have been having loads of conversations with organisations recently about taking work events that might previously have been in conference venues or indoor classroom environments and putting them on outdoors. I'm really excited actually to be very soon kicking off um, a national mentoring programme delivered almost exclusively outdoors. So here's some things to think about. And I mean, uh, this is like almost off the top of my head. I have written some notes here, but um, uh, very much just thinking out loud as is kind of the point of the podcast. Some practicalities. There are some obvious things to think about here. Namely, if you live in Scotland, it's often a bit cold and a bit damp. So uh, I've joked with friends that one of the most important or essential tools in a post-COVID world is a decent set of waterproofs. Obviously, we'll aim for glorious sunshine whenever we're taking people outdoors, but it's just not always possible. I mean, running stuff in the middle of December, you know, it's probably not going to go very well for you, but you just never know, right? If you live in lovely Australia or somewhere else, then maybe this is this is a moot point you can fast forward through this part of the pod. 
I've often chosen venues with trees, partly because I find them really calming and really just really nice walking around trees, isn't it? But also to provide some really nice shelter when it's required. A gazebo or a covering would be a great option if you've got one or you can get hold of one or if a venue's got one or whatever. I think you can do it. I've used this in the past. There are brilliant organisations out there like Social Bite, which is a social enterprise um, in my local area which helps homeless people and they will happily deliver amazing food out to you so you can contribute to worthy causes whilst also looking after your colleagues' well-being. Um, there's nothing like seeing someone's face light up when they're a bit cold and miserable, tired, like an expedition, and you give them a hot hot bowl of soup or something or a sandwich or something. It's just wonderful. And it's also that lovely thing about just, you know, sitting together or standing together at a distance, of course, and just breaking bread together and, you know, being in that environment. It's a wonderful thing. One of my golden rules in my work, and, you know, I'm a coach developer who works in places that are generally cold and wet, is not to get cold or hungry. People will have a better experience if they're not miserable. While I like the parallel of a Duke of Edinburgh's expedition, it is not a Duke of Edinburgh's expedition. We're not probably camping out and stuff, so... Don't suffer if you don't need to. You know, this idea of practice bleeding, it's just, it's not worth doing. I, uh, I took my son out camping at the weekend for the first time and I was pretty big on making sure that was a positive first experience. You know, I've got a wonderful colleague, friend Matt Locke, who always talks about if the day you learn to ski is a beautiful sunny day, um, you're going to love it for life. And if it's a bit overcast and miserable and there's rocks everywhere, you're probably not going to love it. And he reckons it should be the same for uh, for mentoring or for people development or whatever and I completely agree and I don't think there's any difference here when we're doing outdoor stuff so that's the practicalities of it conceptually getting people on board with the concept up front is massively important it is just not going to be the same as sitting around tables in a conference room so contract this up front and explain how it's likely to go carefully plan out your day you need to recognize that that there is stuff you're going to do that you might I've done in different ways in the past. You might have stuck stuff on slides before. You can still do that, but you might have to think creatively about how you do that. I think the most important thing with outdoor learning environments, though, is to give people space to find their own way. That's what's special about them. And so my final reflection was uh, an experience I had a few years ago taking part in in a Chautauqua. Easy for me to say, isn't it? With Kurt Lindley, led it, and also my good friend and colleague Stuart Ferrier. What they did, it was amazing, actually. It was a uh, I was at a conference that uh, UK Coaching were hosting, actually, and at uh, Tullymore in Northern Ireland. And there was a group of us, and we had mountain bikes, and we had a discussion to consider something, an idea, a concept, uh, what, I can't remember, even remember what it was now. And they, we started in this little hut, and we said, right, okay, this is what we're doing today. And we had a bit of a dialogue and so on, which was great. And then we had a, on this first leg, we're going to think about this particular concept here. And they provided almost no direction on that. They said, just think about it. And when we get to our next stopping point in 10, 20 minutes time or whatever is half an hour's time, whatever it needs to be for your day, that's then facilitated and you support that conversation. It was incredibly powerful. It just, what I loved about it was it provided people with their own space. It allowed people to kind of self-regulate, I guess, to some extent. So at one point I rode in a pair with somebody, those two of us, and we were having a conversation and, and we wanted to get into that just side by side. And it's lovely riding along long as it's not too steep a hill or whatever. And just having that conversation, if you're walking, just as good. On another occasion, I rode in a group because we're having a big group discussion and we needed loads of people's input on this discussion. We were all getting into it and we all had things to offer and things to share and things to hear. It was great. On another occasion, though, later on, I was wrestling with some ideas. I had a model in my head that was kind of coming together for the first time. And I rode at the back on my own and Kurt Lindley, the, the skilled facilitator that he is, he spotted me doing that. 
and he didn't get in my way. He let me do that. And when we came to the next stopping point, he could still see that I was thinking about it. He then encouraged me to share that. So not only did I find my own space, I was also given that space. So amazing, just an incredibly powerful experience. So that's kind of what I'm talking about, this business of not all classrooms have four walls. Thanks so much for listening to this Thinking Out Loud episode. I hope you find it interesting and and perhaps even thought-provoking. I am increasingly doing more of this work, helping organisations and individuals to reimagine, I guess, this thing of traditional work in new settings. Is this something I can help you with? If it is, get in touch. I'd love to have a conversation. There's, you know, no pressure at all. Just pick up the phone, drop me an email, tweet, whatever. Whatever is your preferred method of, of contact in the modern world. I've got a little um, people development leadership program that I deliver through Climbing, and I'll share details of this in the description as well. This might whet your appetite for this, I think, just really, really cool area. I'd love to know what you think. So please feel free to get in touch on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at posecoachdev, LinkedIn, I'm on there, or by plain old email through my website, which is lacunalearning.co.uk. You can also learn a bit more about my work there, or doug at lacunalearning.co.uk which I check fairly regularly. Thanks for getting this far. I've um, definitely been less scripted today and it's been really interesting and a bit scary at moments. So thank you for, for sticking with it. Feel free to suggest guests and topics for future podcasts as I'm always open to, to good ideas. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes and I really look forward to hearing from you. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would be so grateful if you want to buy me a coffee to help keep the podcast going. It is massively appreciated when people do that. So thank you very much for doing that. You can find a link to that on my podcast page. Thanks so much for listening to the Learning Journeys podcast and please stay safe, everyone.